Hello and welcome to the movie Download. I am QC. And I am Big J. And we're here to discuss the 75 greatest horror films as listed by moi and in no particular order. This is take number two. Take number two, mainly because we went on a Taylor Swift rampage and Jordan <laughs> got lost and repeated stuff that I had already said. Are you ready for it? <laughs> No, I'm not ready for it. Okay. Well, this week we have the Baba Daba Duke. <laughs> yes, we have the Baba Duke. Um, it was it's number forty nine on the list, and just so we're clear, this may contain spoilers and some salty language. Salt. What does salty language mean? Is it inappropriate language? language. It could profanity, explicit content, explicit. So viewer discretion advised. It's content that's been put with pink salt. Himalayan pink salt. We have that in our cupboard. Okay, and this is the rampage. So, moving on. 45. <laughs> 49. 49. Math was a big J song, too. Numbers confuse him. Unless it's on the bank. Debit card. Papa! <laughs> Still confused me. <laughs> okay, so moving forward, we've got... The Baba Duck. Which is number 49, like yes. we've already said. Great. <laughs> Did you forget already? <laughs> I guess so. Is the age getting to you? I guess so. Well, this movie, uh, the brief synopsis of this movie is going to be... Uh, you want to give it? Uh, can you do this? You can do it. I mean... What I would say is that we're watching um, a woman and uh, how she deals with her um, her child who has like extreme behavioral issues and just uh, her responses and um, then we've got this character from a pop up book uh, that comes to life um, and kind of haunts them and um, just the way that she response to that and the way that they react with it and um, his fear of the Babadook and yeah. uh, I mean that's just kind of the general like summary of what yeah that's I, just I a small that. summary that's all it is so a little background on Jennifer Kent she's from Australia this is an Australian film she's our she's a what she's our lead actress no Jennifer Kent's the director and writer of this uh, film this is written and directed by a woman which see he I, knows the nuts and bolts of everything <laughs> we'll get to the lead actress in a minute <laughs> um, so she originally was an actress who ended up uh, I guess acting wasn't going too well for her so she ended up she saw Lars von Trier's Dancer in the Dark which if you haven't seen Lars von Trier's Dancer with the, in the if you've never seen a Lars von Trier movie I don't know if Dancer in the Dark was the one I would start with but it has Bjork in it so Bjork, Bjork, Bjork. It's Bjork. So, but she saw it and she was really moved by the film. So she wrote to Lars von Trier and put herself through hell and decided to work under him. So go Jennifer Kent right there. You have my respect because I would probably kill Lars von Trier within the first five minutes of him speaking. <laughs> so <laughs> I have a very mixed love hate relationship with Lars von Trier. I would say that. We'll get into that later. He's so, um, but so this helped her really learn a little more about the film process. She went to school for acting and dramatic arts, but I don't know if she knew a ton about filmmaking, but she learned very quickly. And then she made a short film called The Monster, which is what the Babadook is based off of. Okay. And then made it with her friend who she went to school with, 
who is, I think, a year ahead of her, behind her, I can't quite remember, who's the lead actress in this movie. And her mm-hmm. name, name is Essie Davis. I like her. Yeah, so we'll get into that. So, um, really quick, critically, the, this film came out in Australia first. It was kind of an art film in Australia. Didn't make a ton of money, but it was very well-reviewed and well-regarded. It holds a 98% on Rotten Tomatoes, so it's certified fresh. It's the, it was the third best-reviewed film of the year on Rotten Tomatoes. That's a 98% for a horror movie is... That's pretty respectful. It's very respectful. And it's on Netflix currently, Yes, it's currently it? on Netflix, and it yeah. has an 86 on Metacritic. Um, and, you know, horror... There's a lot of female, you know, horror film directors and writers. There's just not. And this is definitely from a female point of view. And I think that it's really refreshing to see a female point of view in a horror film. And it's about a woman. Sorry, our puppies are annoying because the only time they we, they bark is when we're doing this. <laughs> um, it's like we have all the doors closed, all the windows closed, everything closed, and somehow you'll hear the piercing bark of Yoshi. <laughs> so, um, but it's really it has an incredibly I love the idea that it has this feminine POV, and that it has a lot to say about what it's like being a woman, what it's like being a mother. What it's in, what it's like being a single mother, I should be, and what it's like dealing with grief. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if we would have gotten something as subtle, as haunting, and as well written. Not that a man can't write, but if about a woman, if it was written by a man, I'm not sure. I don't know if it'd be the same film. Regardless, I just really appreciated a lot of the things Jennifer Kent put in there, and it's really nice. And she actually has a new film that'll be a thriller movie that'll be uh, debuting at Venice this year it just got announced so she'll be at Venice so I really hope that's good let's hope she's not a one hit wonder um, let's hope she doesn't follow in the, her footsteps of a fellow comrade uh, Jocelyn Moorhead who I only she's an Australian director who I, I think really only had one good film in her it was called Proof Her la- the last couple movies she made weren't all that great but regardless I have a lot of... I'm really excited to watch her next movie because of this film. So, The Babadook, I think, started the horror renaissance, in my opinion. Hmm. It was released by um, IFC Midnight in America. It was distributed by. Um, and it was Wait, made for was just this? about $2 million. This was, I want to say, 2014. Yeah. Okay. And it, it made its money back. It made about $7.5 million in box office worldwide. I'm sure it's made more on, like, DVD and streaming. You know what I mean? But... Worldwide, it made its money back, and it got Jennifer Kent. She was offered multiple, multiple films and TV shows and things like that, but she decided to make her own, write and direct her own next film. So she, I like that she chose her own project. So um, let's get into the brass taxes that it took, shall we? Okay, so we were kind of arguing about this the other day, when, yesterday when we watched, rewatched it again. Because just so we're clear... It's definitely a good double-watch movie. Yes, just so we're clear, we, even though I've, I've seen every film on the list, some films I've seen multiple, multiple times, um, we rewatch them before we record the podcast, just so they're fresh in our mind. So, I guess I'm going to let you start really quick, because we did not have, we both liked the movie, but we had a differing opinion on maybe what we thought it was. Mm-hmm. So I'm what curious. What we thought the Duke was. Yes. Um... Well, I, I I think that the Babadook is more of a haunting, um, 
But I don't know. You know, I... I now I'm influenced by your view. So... Well, before I told you my views, what was... Do you thought it was real? I thought the Babadook was real, and I thought that the Babadook was something that... uh, Yeah, in the film, in their life, um, I do think that it was kind of the darkness that that was following them, and it was definitely um, overtaking them when they were being weak, and uh, when she was feeling overwhelmed, and her son was uh, probably feeling the most lonely and outcast, so I definitely feel like the Babadook was an energy that was overtaking them. Um, in a time of weakness is, in a time of weakness is definitely what I interpreted See, and, and I interpret it as a pure metaphor I mean I'm sure it, Babadook does exist in the film but I'm not saying that it's all in her head but I, I interpret it as a pure metaphor for what so we would say so I think we should really talk about the opening of the film so Essie Davis plays Amelia mm-hmm. and um, she is going through a lot right now her, we find out pretty quickly that her husband died in a car accident while she was in labor with her son. Mm-hmm. And her son is Samuel. Sam. On the way to the hospital. On the way to the hospital, um, yeah. So, um, ever since then, it's clear she has not quite been the same. Um, and she's, and the thing is, is that I think one of the things the film does, which I really like, is that, again, this is something that I think has a bit of a touch of somebody who understands motherhood or maybe I don't know I don't know if Jennifer Kent's a mom um, I didn't look that much into it I'm, I'm not even really interested I almost don't want to know but if even if she isn't maybe she knew somebody very dearly because normally let's say if your husband died you would grieve you know you would have a moment to really you know get out all your emotions get out all your demons she's a newborn baby I don't Go ahead, I'm sorry. She didn't have time. I mean, she didn't have time to She's grieve. She's not going to have time to grieve. No. You've got to take care of this child. You've got to be there. You have to breastfeed it. You have to feed it. You have to change the diaper. You have to wake up with it. And there's no one there to help her like there was when she had the child. When If you know if her husband well, had not died. lost her husband. Had to do a funeral. Right. Had a brand new baby. Had a, you know, like... Yeah. One of those events is life-altering, but two of them together is... At the exact same time, I think it's... And I think she puts it all the way in the back of her mind. So when the film opens, her son it's coming up on the anniversary of her son's birthday, which is also the death of her husband. They, are, they happen simultaneously. And we learn that Amelia does not do the birthday party, clearly. She, does, she shares it with um, her niece, Ruby. Mm-hmm. And her sister, who, who is an interesting person. Stuck up. Yes, we'll get a little into that in just a minute. I want to, I want to kind of get to that in a minute. But so she, she works in like some like old retirement home, something like that. Mm-hmm. She clearly is not interested in her job. She's struggling in all aspects of her life. You can see that she's struggling to, to continue at work or find any interest in work. I think she's lost her passion. She's, yeah, she's struggling. Her child's having behavioral issues at school. Well, he's um, severely... I, I think it's he has severe ADD. Oh, definitely. But the he's really smart. He builds things. He's really oh, mechanically yeah. inclined, but... Well, I think one of the things that Jennifer Kent really does that's... Energetic, and I don't think she has enough... Uh, I don't think she has enough left in her at the end of the day. No, I don't even keep up with him. Well, and I think one thing that Jennifer Kent does, though, really well, really well, at the beginning of the film, I'd say the first half... 
That little boy, I wanted to kill him. I'm sorry. He was obnoxious. I was like... And you feel for Amelia. And a lot of it has to do with not only the writing and directing, but I think Essie Davis's amazing performance as mm. Amelia. I felt every single... You, it reads so well in her face. The exhaustion, the put upon this, the fact that, you know, maybe she doesn't love her son. And it's not even... At first, you think it's because he's obnoxious. But then you realize it's because maybe she misses her husband. She and she re- re- resents him for living. Because in the end, she had to do this all on her own. And this was not how she intended to do it. You know. So, but as the second half of the film kind of turns, I, I kind of switched tides a little bit and felt that the son was just misunderstood. And that, yes, he was still obnoxious, but he needed love and attention. And at the moment, I don't believe Amelia was able to give that to him. Well, she's definitely going through, like, severe depression in the start of the movie. There's no doubt about that. No, absolutely. Yeah, she's clearly... She seems almost agoraphobic a little bit. Like, she doesn't even want to go outside. She prefers to be cooped up in that weird... She's dead inside. (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, I I almost think she's afraid a little bit of the outside. Potentially. Um, So, you know, she has a sister who clearly... Although, I don't even know if sister really... Sister, I think, cares for her on a very superficial level. Um, oh, the sister hasn't had to worry like she has. She's obviously been... She's, you know, a house mom. And... Yeah, but, but I think Amelia was that before. This is what I mean by superficial. I have a feeling her and Amelia were really close mm. before her husband died, before she had the kid, because Amelia wasn't... You know, she was a, we find out, she was a children's writer. She was a writer. She wrote Mm. children's novels. Her husband was like, you know, an inventor or something. I don't remember quite 100%. But they were clearly happy and they were fun and they probably had a good time. That's what I mean by superficial. But I think once it became different, once her sister was going through depression, had a difficult child, was working in a job that's probably beneath her intellectual level. She needed some love. She needed some serious support that Mm -hmm. her sister is not... Not only is not interested in giving her, I don't think would know how. Mm-hmm. That's what I mean, superficial. I feel gotcha. like the relationship's like, oh, are you okay? But really, she doesn't want to know. She's not interested in going there. Okay. So, you know, but her sister does kind of put a, put her on. I mean, she goes shopping with her, and she allows her over, even though she can't stand her son, her own nephew. And she kind of treats her, and I think in a way that's really despicable, because it's pity. It's like she pities her sis. Oh, you poor little thing. And I think it's indicative when they go to the party. You know, she basically... But originally they are supposed to have a party together. But um, but her daughter doesn't want to have a party with Samuel. Although it definitely seems like it's more like the mother doesn't want to have the group, this party. She would rather have her own daughter, who she thinks is amazing, and there's something wrong with her, and, you know, all that, all those things. And... I'm going to kill those dogs. Seriously, I'm going to kill them. <laughs> We're going to lock them down. Yeah. We'll need to do the next one. Yeah. <laughs> this is really bad. Sorry, the last couple, they've been really good. This is the worst they've ever been. Um, so, it's really... Hold on, I'm going to stop for just... So sorry about that wait, guys. We had to go stop our dogs. They were being absolutely terrors. <laughs> 
So I was talking about, you know, the daughter. She thinks her daughter's an angel. She treats her daughter on, like, this pedestal, just like any mom really would. Her daughter, of course, is kind of a mean girl. <laughs> um, but that scene where all the moms, all the, you know, the soccer moms and... Oh, it's been really the hard. Bitchy, rich mothers. Well, and they're not even bitchy. I actually no, don't... No, richy. The richy. Richy, rich. Yeah. Richy, rich. And they're just very... Well, <laughs> they have no sense of tact, I think. Like, when the scene when Amelia, who clearly goes to work every day, takes care of her child every day, doesn't have, you know, help babysitters, doesn't have a husband to rely on, doesn't have anything. When she hears that people struggle to go to the gym and they say that in front of her, it's kind of tasteless. You know, this is not a woman who, and she flat out mocks them. Well, and they had said a previous comment that was kind of mean about like needy mothers and like connecting you with somebody mm-hmm. else. You know, just kind of like judging her without actually like well, it wasn't, talking I, to her and seeing if she it's, wanted it's about, any of that. I don't know if it was judging her. I think it's more about. They pity her, but it's a lot of things, I think something that a lot of people do when people are going through depression or when people are going through stages of grief, they talk about you while you're in the room like you're not there. Hmm. And that's exactly what they're doing. And that is incredibly offensive to, I think, most people. It would be offensive to me. Mm -hmm. It's like, I'm right here. Hello. Please stop talking like I'm not in the room. And they do that a lot. And almost every character, except for one does that to Amelia quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And the one who doesn't is her next-door neighbor, Mrs. Roach, the little lady with Parkinson's. And Such a sweet lady. Who clearly cares for those these two. And it's funny, the when we see Samuel with her, he's the best behaved he's ever been. I think it's because she just believes that Samuel's a little boy, and he's, uh, you know, he's got a lot of energy, and I think that she's just very understanding of Samuel. But but that's kind of what I'm getting at. She, I agree with you 100%. But maybe that's the point the film's trying to make. Is that, that maybe mom, maybe she just needs a little understanding. Right. Because, okay, your son's a little, has behavioral issues. Yes, he has serious ADD. But as you see with the, with the, the older woman, he was respectful of her. She enjoyed his time. They got along. They had such a good relationship. All of them, though. Yeah. They had such a good relationship. I mean, even the one, you know, the scene where she comes home right away and she's like, oh, I'll put your rubbish out. Oh, no, no. You don't need to do that right away when you come home, you know. So they, right. they have a really good... Exactly. But I, I, to me, that's why I'm saying it's more metaphorical. I feel like these scenes, before we get into... Because we're not even talking about any of the horror scenes right now. We are purely talking about just the emotional drama of this film right well, now. Well, but if that's how you view it, I think that that's what we need to be, you know, what we're discussing. Well, no, I agree with you. But I'm just saying, it's like, this is why I'm saying it's metaphor. All this stuff is in this film, while we still get plenty of horrifying stuff. I'm just saying is, that's what I'm saying is like, that's where I'm getting the metaphor from. That's why I think this film is pure metaphor. Mm-hmm. And the, I think the best horror films can work both ways. Okay. Can be a metaphor as well as just a, scary movie and the Babadook is creepy and the Babadook is really disturbing and it really I mean it reminds me a little bit of Hereditary mm-hmm. with the you know about motherhood and maybe you know <laughs> did Amelia really want to be a mom that whole notion but I think this one's far less nihilistic than Hereditary I think it's much more upbeat and in okay. the end I think it actually has a lot of positive things to say about love and grief 
So to me, the Babadook, when we first meet the Babadook, it's actually, the you know, Amelia reads a book to her son every night. And there's some weird things meaning, like, he always grabs her neck when he's cuddling with her. You notice it's, like, suffocating her. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's some, you know... Aw- some weird, like, clinging on to Yes, it. it's very clingy. And so she lets him pick a book, and he just picks one. And the reason I also think it's a metaphor is because, remember, she's a children's novelist originally mm-hmm. before she did this. So it's, who would come up with a disturbed children's novel about, you know, some dark subject matter to scare the shit. Did sh- she write it? That's what I'm starting to think. That's what I'm meaning, like... That's actually a revelation in my mind. Yeah. So, because I, there's... So the book is, like, a really cute little pop-up at first. It's cute-ish. It's kind of pop-up-y. Um, and then all of a sudden it gets creepy. And it's very... There's shades of grays and black and white. It reminds me very much of the 1920s German Expressionism mm. film era of, like, like Nosferatu and Dr. Caligari. Um... <laughs> it has a look. It definitely... And he's a very interesting dresser with his top hat and his nails and his... We never really see his face. It's just kind of hinted at, but it's definitely... The Baba Babadook. The Baba Babadook. But basically, the Babadook will... You know, you can't get rid of the Babadook. As it, as, so Amelia is a little creeped out by the book and so her son, who is already afraid of monsters, mm-hmm. is... Inc- yeah, they have to check the closet everything. Right, but now he's, it. like, crying and is in serious... So she's like, we'll never read this book again. <laughs> and she refuses to admit. And then things start to go a little wrong. She starts to get a little more hapless. She can't... Her son gets kicked out of school. So she has to, you know, miss work, which is affecting her job. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they go to that birthday party we discuss, And the son, who's built all these homemade weapons, which is really... In, they're actually not weapons to really hurt people and we find that out later which is what I really liked there was a twist in it mm-hmm. at first you're really concerned is this kid not destructive yeah. and then we see you in I think when the movie turns and explains the boy is more misunderstood is when they're at the birthday party concurrently between <coughs> sorry oh it's okay concurrently between um it's like two scenes going on sometimes. I wish this is one thing, I, if it would have been nice if there was split screen right here. Mm. That would have been a really great thing to watch the two things happen at once. But whatever. Um, Essie Davis's character and her sister, Amelia, they're talking about Samuel. And basically she, the sister tells them she can't stand Samuel. And that, you know, Amelia's, her house is too depressing. At the same time, her daughter is insulting Samuel and saying that she's not good enough to have a father. And... You know, really kind of egging him on. So he pushes her out the treehouse. And she breaks her nose. And of course that already shatters an already splintered relationship between the sisters. So now Amelia has nobody to rely on. And that's when things start to get really dark. Mm -hmm. And the Babadook starts things. So my reason I'm saying is, is that is the Babadook the darkest, most bleakest part of grief? Yeah, that's true. Because the Babadook really um, starts ruining their life at that point. Ruining? Or okay, allow sorry. him to ruin. Uh, yeah, no, I agree with you. And definitely bring out the darkest um, parts of Amelia's psyche. Mm-hmm. Um, she finally, you know, she tells her son things that you could tell she has never said before. Like, all you do is talk, talk, talk. I need to sleep. Why don't you go eat shit? You know... That's definitely the first time where you see her just 
you know, and it's not appropriate. And I liked that very quickly. She realizes that was the wrong thing to say to her son, regardless of how she's feeling. And then she starts fearing, you know, she's the Babadook book comes back and there's more stuff added about her killing her dog, their little cute Bugsy. I don't know what kind of dog it is, but it's a little mm-hmm. cute little, you know, mutt. And then uh, her son. So then she... It has blank pages at first. Yes. So the book has blank pages and she hides it at first. And then now she's taken a turn for the worse. Uh, she's the ripped up added, the book and well, thrown it away. added more pages. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, she throws she's, it away. You know, killed the... Dog. We haven't gotten there yet. Okay. okay. But she rubs the book and throws it away. And then she... The book gets taped back up and it's added mm-hmm. more... That's when it gets added more stuff. And then she tries to lay it on fire and then she goes to police and police think she looks crazy because her hand is all covered in like dirt and charcoal. And then she thinks she sees bugs everywhere so she cleans everything and then the child services come. Ooh. Because her son is in middle school. school and it looks really bad for her. And is it continues on. And also, and I, what I really like is their subtlety in what Jennifer Kent does. Um, for example, when we first hear the Babadook, if you notice in like almost every scene in the film, there's always like a hat and a weird suit hanging in, in the police station, in her house, in different rooms of her house. So it's always like the Babadook is always there. Mm-hmm. He follows them. Well, he was in the car with them. Right. The well, son was supposedly. See, that's the thing. Really think about how often we see the Babadook. Only, I think the only real time. A handful of times, I think. Maybe two or three. Truthfully. I think. Same in the bedroom, in the storage room, in the... But those are only when she's being possessed. That's true. This is why I think, again, you know, she's a children's book author. She's dealing with... She's never really dealt with her grief. She doesn't talk about her husband, Oscar. Yeah. Um, and when she, when she sees pictures of him, she gets incredibly angry. She cannot deal with it. Mm-hmm. So then she gets possessed by the Babadook. And that's when the movie, like I said, the first hour is definitely more of a haunting film and with a lot of um, psychological warfare going on between mother and son and the outside world. But then it becomes psychological warfare mainly between mom and son. But I think that's when I really, you know, Samuel uses his tw- these weapons he's made to defend his mom and to defend himself from monsters. And his mom is the monster. Mm. And what I think is so genius and so interesting when he hits his mom, when he shoots his mom with the darts, and he never aims to kill her just to protect himself. And he's always like, sorry, mom, I've got to, you know, and... I, but I will save you. And those scenes, I think, are really powerful. Because as a child with, you know, I mean, what if your mom was crazy? But you love her and you know she's good. But you got to save her. How do you save her without killing her? And those scenes are really, mm. you know, and I mean, everything that Amelia Essie Davis goes through in the film. And God, I don't know how she... I, well, how did she not get an Oscar nomination? I know a lot of people didn't see The Babadook, but she's so good in this movie. She sells you one to a hundred. And I think slightly unlike... And I really liked Tony Collette in Hereditary, and I'm 100% agree, it's an amazing performance. But what I really think she does a little bit different is that she makes Amelia likable still. Mm. Even though there are sometimes where Amelia says things that are wrong, and she's not perfect, you know, you understand her, and I feel like that's something that she really brings to the table. 
You understand why she's this way. You understand that the way people talk to her or talk about her are not appropriate. And I think that's really what makes the film amazing and why I think it's one of the greatest horror movies because it's more than a horror film. It really is. Mm. And I could see this film really moving up on my list within the next... I mean, it's too new right now, I think, to keep it too high. But I could really see this movie really moving up on the list. I think it's really fantastic. Okay. Uh, I, I, I have nothing negative to say. Do you have any criticisms, critiques that you... No, I think it's really well put together and I think it's really well acted. Incredibly. And beautifully directed. And I loved all the, um, I mean, it's low budget, and but I really loved you all... You only tell that a few times, really. But I loved all the practical effects she used, like with, it, you could tell, like, maybe some stop-motion animation was used, and all the... I think the Babadook was stop-motion. Yeah, and I think that was really great, and I loved... Now, let's talk about the ending really quick, because the ending's kind of up for debate for some people, so I know plenty of people who didn't really care for the ending, because in the end, she's possessed, the son uses love to get her unpossessed, which I think is really... Mm-hmm. That's actually my favorite scene, though. So. But then she screams at it, and he shows her the death of her husband, which is, sh- which was shockingly, this movie is, it's not very graphic, but when there is violence, and there's just a couple moments, it, it I was surprised. I'm like, I don't remember this movie being bloody, but there is a couple scenes where I was like, wow. Where she shows the husband. Getting his head chopped off. Yeah. That was. Sh- That's pretty gross. And then also when you see her, when she sees her, of her vision of her son killed. His throat slid and blood everywhere that she clearly did it. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Those are really shocking scenes. They're just quick, brief glimpses, but it's definitely shocking. But she comes out of it, you know, like with the knife right. in her hand and stuff, and the son's yelling at her. Oh, yeah, she's carrying her knife, and she's just threatening her son. In a, yeah. But she's not violent, but there's a violent... Yeah, creepy. She's definitely borderline. She's borderline for almost the movie. Borderline, can I um, kill somebody? And so anyways, but she, so she convinces the Babadook that it's her house and she will respect her house. And then he goes to the basement and then they start feeding it earthworms and they treat it almost like a dog that you just, it's dangerous. We're keeping the Babadook at bay. We know the Babadook is there. Keeping the grief, keeping maybe her evil side at bay. That's what I mean. Like that could be part of it. Yeah. It is kind of an interesting end. Yeah, but a lot, some people don't care for it. They don't think it ends too... I don't know if it's... It's probably because it doesn't end like in a horror film would end. No, but it doesn't end um, happy either because you know that the Babadook is lurking in the shadows down Correct. the basement. And you know that he could come out at I, any time. I think it ends happy because in the end, yeah, I love the scene where she's she's more accepting of her son. She's more accepting of her lovely neighbor next door. She doesn't feel anymore like... Just to hide things. When Samuel says things that he probably shouldn't say, that most six year I mean, most kids that age say the first thing that comes to their mind and have no problem and are tactless a little bit because that's, you know, kids say the darndest things. This kid says some stupid shit. <laughs> so, you shouldn't say it in front of people. But I loved her reaction to it. Instead of being embarrassed or humiliated like she was earlier in the films, she was just like, oh, that's my son. If you have a problem with it, go somewhere else. I loved that. Uh, we find that, um, you know, we find that only two weeks have passed during the yeah. the whole time that she's dealing with this deep depression and stuff, because uh, the son's been out of school for two weeks, and they find a new school, mm-hmm. and well, and she finally forward. says her husband's name. Mm-hmm. She never and says they his name until the end of the film. Samuel's birthday on his, on his birthday, which is, you know, obviously the date of the loss of her husband. I, yeah, so, I mean, to me, the reason the Babadook... I mean, the Babadook is creepy, just so we're clear. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of scenes that really push it 
It definitely has a beautiful look. I think Jennifer Kent is a amazing new talent and I'm really excited to see her next film. Um, but to me, The Babadook works far more as a metaphor for grief and motherhood and how to move on when and how to, you know, love who you are now, not who you were then. Who, what is your favorite scene? Most of, well, we do memorable and horrific. Okay. Memorable scene is probably, I love the scene when she finds all the bugs in the, no, I'm going to take, yeah, that's going to be my most memorable. Behind where she fridge. finds all the fridge and she keeps pulling it. And she does what any normal person would do. She cleans the shit out of her kitchen. <laughs> she doesn't go, oh, you know, because she can't afford a bug man. You mm. know what I mean? So, and yeah, that's my most memorable scene. What's your most memorable scene? My memorable and uh, horrific go together, so. Well, then what's your second most memorable scene? <laughs> You're looking at me like... When the Baba Duke is maybe in the back seat, like, choking Samuel out. Oh, and like, I think that that's really creepy because it's like, oh, the Baba Duke's always following them. He's always with them. So... Okay, what's your most horrific, then? Uh, I think it's when... I think that it's when uh, he captures his mother and, like, and, uh, you know, loves the Baba Duke out of her. Yeah, it kind of says... So, I am... And when she, you know... Oh, the, he uses some of his tools and his booby traps, and this is how we're gonna catch the Baba Duke. And then she vomits out the black, and mm-hmm. you know, just like so, I think that it's kind of, I think it's a gross slash good slash great turning scene. But. Yeah. Well, it's very, it's almost Nightmare on Elm Street the way he like, like booby trapped or Home Alone a little bit. You know what I mean? Like there's, I kind of this enjoy is when that. all of his tools, all of his uh, yeah, his tools come in handy. But it's it's funny because in the beginning of the film, the reason I brought up those weapons is that they almost seem like oh he's a he could be he's deranged. You need to get him to see it's like, and then you see him use tools. The tools hurt his mother, but they don't hurt her in a way. Mm-hmm. He really it, they really are protection tools. He was just trying to protect her, and he's trying to get her back. There's from a the sweetness Duke. about it that I think is really just a clever twist. Okay, my most terrific scene. I would tie um, when she is watching TV. And she, because she's convinced the Babadook, it's right before she gets possessed, and she sees all the creepy Babadook, like, she's watching this weird German, like, cartoon, and she keeps seeing the Babadook, and she keeps seeing it, and it's on the TV, and it's, that scene is beautiful. On the TV, you know what I mean, with the black and white movie, and Mm -hmm. late at night. And the other one is probably the two. It just keeps popping up, like... When she's changing the channel, isn't she? And he keeps popping into he keeps every show. Popping in, and you don't know. That's when I realize, oh, she's really lost. She's just losing. <laughs> We've it. lost her. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, um, when she first gets possessed, there's so many great scenes. And when she gets possessed, and it really does heighten the drama of it. But um, when she pulls out her tooth, that's been killing her the whole movie. She, but that's. But I think when she's like. I'm conquering my problems. Like that's why it's my I most think that's the scene. start of her. Like this tooth is bugging me. It's going. Like right. I need to move that's on. That's why to me it's the most horrific scene because I feel like okay, well, what's next? Her mm. son, her sister. Yeah, is know. she gonna kill or is she gonna fix herself? Right. Now? It's like it's, that's I didn't true. know which. It was such a weird. Yeah. Um, I I really love the Babadook. I think it's really amazing. So if you haven't seen it, it is on Netflix. Oh, please watch it. Ratings. Yes. I give it an 8 out of 10. An 8 out of 10, okay. I think it's a great movie. I think it's a good go-see, and I think that it's got a lot of... 
Can I ask why not maybe like a 9 or a 10? Just curious. Because I always think there's room for improvement. <laughs> and this is who I married, everybody. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm probably like a 6 out of 10 right now. 4.5. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're a 10 out of 10 to me. <laughs> uh, I'm giving this 9.5 out of 10. So, almost perfect. Nine and a half. Yeah, almost perfect. I think it's nearly perfect. I, if I was to be nitpicky, um, the sun really drove me nuts in the first 20 minutes. And I know that's what it's supposed to do, but it, I, I just wanted to be like, can the kid just, can you duct tape that kid? Like, <laughs> but I think that's the point. I, I understand. I just, if I'm being honest, I was a little like, oh, I don't want, when we sat on watch, I was like, oh. I have to get used to this kid being annoying again because it really drove me nuts the first time and it didn't lessen the impact. Um, so that was really great. So um, we both highly recommend. Highly it. recommend it. Yeah. So really, go see the Papa Duck. Okay. So next week, um, Big J, you won't be here. I'm gonna be at the Watershed Music Festival. Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna miss the you. Gorge Amphitheater. Yeah. So we have two announcements to make. So next week we're gonna have. Our special co-host, Mama K, <laughs> who is my mother. Mama K. I just call her Mama That K. was my name. I came up with her. She, everyone calls her that now, so she's fine with it. <laughs> and we're going to be discussing one of our favorite films, The Blair Witch Project. So we're really excited for that one. And then in September, we will be having... A, I won't spoil who it is, but this September, we are going to be having a special guest... Um, someone who I'm a huge fan of in the film community. He just couldn't wait. To I couldn't wait, you. so I want to kind of tease like you guys. Kid in a candy store. So all I will say is, it's a film critic. So we will be having one of the someone on who I'm a huge fan of, and I'm really excited to get that done. I I haven't shut up about it in the last week. <laughs> this is true. So he um, highly respects this person. Yeah. So, but, but still, I'm excited also to talk about my mom. She is very forceful. Wait till you see us two talking. You'll probably never... But the Blair Witch Project, we're yeah. going to need an hour for next week. <laughs> Make sure you have your patience pants on. Because <laughs> we can talk, talk, talk. So, uh, but I'm really excited. So, until next week, I am QC. And I am Big J. We're signing off. Please remember... Oh, we did have one question, by the way. Subscribe to our podcast. Subscribe to our podcast on Be Apple sure. Podcasts, Spotify... Google Podcast and anywhere else you get your podcast. And follow us at our Twitter handle at the real CML1688. And we did have one question. What does Big J and QC stand for? <laughs> oh, we had a question from yes, a viewer. And I said I would answer it. Oh, who was our viewer? That I can't remember this? right at the moment, so okay. we'll just go from there. Sorry. So Big J, what is Big J? I came up with the nickname, so I guess I'll <laughs> tell Big J's just... Well, Big J's a nickname that was given to me. Um, I had a really good uh, longtime friend named Jordan. And uh, so she just went by Jordan. And I'm Big J because I'm six foot six and over 300 pounds. <laughs> and I am a large Jordan. <laughs> a large Jordan. And QC. Um, where did we get that nickname, Big J? Well, you married this wonderful person a few years ago. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, a long story made short. It's Queen Chris Chrissy. <laughs> okay, it's Queen Chrissy. He can be a little demanding at times. So, uh, so, so I always go, QC has 
entered the room and it'll have a snap with it. And, you know, he demands a warm towel, a cold beverage, and a <laughs> foot rub. When have I ever demanded those things <laughs> right then? You demanded them, it just didn't happen. <laughs> so, originally it offended me because I hate being called a diva or anything like that. But now I've just learned to accept it and I just tell him all the time when he says QC... Crown it. Or that's when he's right. Ri- <laughs> Crown it. When he's riding in the car. QC. QC has his sunglasses on. He's reading a movie review on his phone, probably. <laughs> probably. Um, riding around in the passenger seat. Gangster leaning. He just rides. He just rides. His driver, his personal driver, take him everywhere. That's right. And so, driving this Mr. Smith. Thank you. The whole QC. Driving Mr. Smith. Thank you. Uh, can we go to the buffet? No. No. I don't. I, at least I let you. There are it. things that QC does not do. Buffets are disgusting. It's <laughs> fucking nasty. I'm sorry. Buffets are fucking nasty. Anyone who thinks a buffet is good, I don't want to go. Gross. Other he people also doesn't like uh, cheap motels anymore. Now that I've, I've never liked cheap motels. Now that I've spoiled them. No, I've never really liked cheap motels. That motel you <laughs> took me wasn't cheap. I could live with cheap. Oh, oh no, 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 no. That was an exceptionally terrible hotel. That was, it was the drug addicted, creepy, back of the door didn't close. We're rambling, we're rambling, but QC is Queen Chrissy and Big J is Big Jordan. Yes, it's because he's tall and he's big. And like a tree. You're needy. (laughs) And neurotic. No, no, not neurotic. Oh, I am neurotic. Well, sure. Needy and demanding. And high class. High maintenance is what you're trying to say. High maintenance. You have a silver tongue and you're not afraid to use it. Oh my god, I'm going to kill you. (laughs) I can't even stop now. (laughs) QC may be solo from now on. Who knows at this point? Now I need him to do it with me. Otherwise, it's just me talking about my lovely self. Uh, With that being said, though, you guys, if you have any other questions, please feel free. And we also will take recommendations. Also, um, we'll be having a special episode tomorrow. Um, So we'll get two in your podcast feed. And we'll be going over the first four episodes just quickly. What we think about sharp objects. (gasps) Yeah, we love that show so far. A quick one. Because we've got to make up for this one. Like a 20-minute one. We'll go for 15. So 20 minutes. 20 Have a great day. Yeah. <laughs> Have a great day. Bye. Bye. Guys.